0: Welcome to another footnotes episode of infinitely prefer a book. These episodes are where I talk about what I'm reading and thinking about lately. So I recently finished a book called begin again, James Baldwin's America and it's urgent lessons for our own by Eddie Glaude jr. It was a really thought provoking book. And I just thought I would share some of those thoughts here today with my listeners in the book, Glaude tells of his experience visiting the Legacy Museum and National Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama. It's a project by the Equal Justice Initiative. Um, some of you guys may recognize the Equal Justice Initiative as Brian Stevenson's project. Brian Stevenson wrote a book that became a movie that was popular this summer called Just Mercy. Um, As Glaude was walking into the Legacy Museum, he saw a quote from Maya Angelou displayed on the outside wall. And it said, history, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived, but if faced with courage, need not be lived again. That quote really just really hit me and I intended to have this episode out a little closer to Martin Luther King Jr. Day and sort of make a commentary about how we have to look at history for what it is and not only just the small wins that Martin Luther King Jr. and activists gained during the 50s and 60s that the struggle isn't over Um, we can't celebrate what happened then without understanding what is happening now but um, of course that didn't get posted then Um, never I guess a better way than never maybe I don't know now it is black his February black history month Um, many curriculums use this month to focus on the triumphs of the civil rights movement and begin again the author Claude described his experience visiting Montgomery Alabama and he described it as a civil rights tourism all around town were plaques and monuments to the civil right events of the 1950s and 60s God points out that the civil rights narrative told through these visuals and monuments and in the mainstream culture at large tends to focus on all that was overcome in the fight against segregation and it focuses on the people who triumphed. Um, it was a kind of, and it takes a very narrow view of what the civil rights triumphs are and, and and paints it as a triumph and I kind of think that matches my own experience with these kinds of messages. It seems to be saying something like, wrapped up in a conclusion of weren't these people so brave and isn't it great that segregation doesn't exist anymore. But this narrative doesn't talk about or face, as Maya Angelou talks about facing history, uh, the horrific things that have happened throughout our country that have yet been overcome or accounted for. For example, it doesn't talk at all about the juries that acquitted people for killing black people or all the murders that were never even tried, even though they happened in front of enormous crowds it doesn't even begin to talk about the legacy that not acknowledging these things leaves behind. Glaude talks in his book about how he found that narrative, the one that really faces history head on at the legacy museum, where the spotlight is shown on all the cruel violence of slavery, segregation, lynching, and mass incarceration. The purpose of the legacy museum and memorial is to face our history square on so that we can begin to heal from it. Glaude also quotes by um dr king from a speech given in montgomery after the long march from selma and he says quote i know there is a cry today in alabama we see it in numerous editorials when will martin Luther king sclc sncc and all of these civil rights agitators and all of the white clergymen and labor leaders and students and others get out of our community and let alabama return to normalcy but I have a message that I would like to leave with Alabama this evening. This is exactly what we don't want, We will, and we will not allow it to happen. For we know that it is normalcy in Marion that led to the brutal murder of Jimmy Lee Jackson. It was normalcy in Birmingham that led to the murder on Sunday morning of four beautiful, unoffending, innocent girls. It was normalcy on Highway 80 that led to state troopers to use tear gas and horses and billy clubs against unarmed human beings who they were who were simply marching for justice it was normalcy by a cafe in selma alabama that led to the brutal beating of reverend james reeb it is the normalcy all over our country which leaves the negro perishing on a lowly lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity it is normalcy all over alabama that prevents the negro from becoming a registered voter voter no we will not allow alabama to return to normalcy The only normalcy that we will settle for is the normalcy that recognizes the dignity and worth of all of God's children. The only normalcy that we will settle for is the normalcy that allows judgment to run down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. The only normalcy that we will settle for is the normalcy of brotherhood, the normalcy of true peace, the normalcy of justice. End quote. I just think of my own experience in St. Louis in August of 2014 um, when Michael Brown was shot and killed and the protests that came from that, um, we made international headlines. And just being candid here, my reaction, which I now recognize and regret, um, it was extremely racist. Um, I just wanted things to go back to normal. I just wanted, let's just all get along. Like, why can't we just um, find some common ground? And I wouldn't have put it this way at the time, but you know, looking back on it, maybe it was sort of a sentiment of, you know, can't the people who are just hurting stay silent so that I can live my life undisturbed Um, the status quo was working quite nicely for me. And I, and I hear in that, that sentiment from me is normalcy, right? This cry for normalcy. Um, it's also a cry for being quiet about the truth of our history. So I hear these things like, don't be negative. Let's all move on. Why do you have to see color? It turns, you know, this all turns a blind eye to the history of the past and the history that we're making now. So I, again, quoting my Angelou, we need to face our history with courage. We need to open our eyes, face what happened, what is happening now, and acknowledge where work still needs to be done. If we don't face this history head on, we cannot heal from past wounds and make progress on the work left to be done. Quad in the book Begin Again, argues that we are in a moment in time where change can be on the horizon if we make it happen. And I've heard people call for unity, although I think uh, here in February that's happening less than it was, you know, sort of in January. Um, but that that unity is is promising and we, we want to talk about bipartisanship. We want to talk about, oh, let's call Come Together and sometimes that kind of sounds familiar. It sounds very like we're calling for normalcy when we say, oh, well, let's, um, you know, I, I- I hear this being used as an excuse not to um, prosecute people who um, were leaders and instigators of the of mob attack on the US Capitol on January 6th or other other things that happened um, during that that person's presidency and um, you know and sort of like under this umbrella excuse that we need to heal our nation of our divide and we need to stay you know it's really is just kind of stay silent about the wrongs that need that led to that moment into um, inequality in general so I I just hear these messages and, and it seems to be reiterating move on don't talk about it um, but I believe that unity without accountability without truth telling does not promote healing and that's again was reinforced by reading this book um, silence feeds the racist status quo and the wound just gets bigger there's again there's no healing without this accountability when I also kind of hear the argument of when, when we're speaking about accountability and responsibility for racism in our country, people will say, well, I was personally not involved in any of those things. I didn't shoot anybody. I didn't enslave anybody. Um, I didn't segregate anyone. So I should not be held accountable. This just completely misses the mark that we still have to hold our institutions accountable The policies and laws that shaped our nation were shaped intentionally to uphold oppression of people based on skin color. The motivation was an economic one. Slavery and oppression was baked into our constitution and our laws. These laws encouraged this oppression to flourish so that they could be profited from. The system that we have now is a direct descendant of that founding. That system has some that some people benefit from as a result of this violence, and that violence has fingerprints all over our policy and institutions today. Again, people will say these things are in the past, but I think the question is not about when the injury happened, but how has it healed? What evidence of this healing can anyone provide? How has our nation been held accountable for the trauma of our founding? How has the nation been held accountable for genocide and stealing land and breaking treaties with native people? How has the nation been held accountable for the crime of slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, lynching, police brutality, mass incarceration? I do not see any healing from these, and I believe we won't see that until we see accountability. Going back to the book, Begin Again, Glaude quotes James Baldwin. History is literally present in all we do. Glaude argues that our history is built on a lie, a lie that was essential to justify the violence being committed by people who profess to be forming a nation where all men were created equal but were not being treated equally. And so the lie says that people with darker skin colors matter less. People with different cultures and languages matter less. These, those non-white people are not created equal to white people because those people aren't truly people at all. They are subhuman. They are things to be used. That This is the lie that Glod says is the foundation of our nation's beginning. And so Glod channels James Baldwin and urges us to begin again. Begin again this time without the lie. This phrase comes from Baldwin's novel, Just Above My Head. He quotes Everything is not lost. Responsibility cannot be lost, only abdicated. If one refuses abdication, one begins again. And I think about abdication and all that that means, um, I see a lot of abdication going on. We're trying to pass the buck to somebody else to wash our hands and not be responsible for things that happened and not to, um, to try to have two things at once and not take a stance for what is right. Um, again, only if we can refuse abdication can we start our journey over again and begin again. James Baldwin says, in the church that I come from, we were counseled from time to time to do our first works over. He's quoted to say, to do your first works over means to re-examine everything. Go back to where you started or as far back as you can and examine all of it. Travel your road again and tell the truth about it. Sing or shout or testify or keep it to yourself, but know whence you came. Glad argues that our nation has had multiple chances to begin again and have failed to r- rid ourselves of the lie that people matter less because of the color of their skin. He argues that 2021 is another chance to start over from the ashes of the previous president. And he thinks we should start with addressing the lie head on and points to points the reader to H.R. 40 as a resolution um, In the House, that establishes a committee to examine the slavery and discrimination from 1619 forward, the role of government, as well as lingering effects, and propose a system of remedies. I truly believe that we need a system of reparations and truth-telling if we are ever going to heal from these deep wounds and start over. Like the quote from Maya Angelou, the only way we can avoid repeating our painful history is to courageously face it and own it and try not to gloss over it or make excuses for it. I thought this book was really fascinating, if you haven't noticed that from the fact that I'm like speaking passionately about this. Um, I have not read any of James Baldwin's work, and this book definitely made me want to start reading them. It's also made me be more committed to learning more about the untold history of humanity. Of course, this is Black History Month, and it's important to note that Black History contains the fullness of experiences, pain, sadness, but also joy and love. Black History is not only about Black people for Black people. It's all of our history as well. If you're looking for additional ways to learn more about the untold history, a few resources I've stumbled upon, and um, I'll just name them here. One is the podcast First Name Basis, hosted by Jasmine Bradshaw. Bradshaw also has a project for teaching kids about black history called bite-sized black history it's a series of short podcast episodes with accompanying lesson plans and activities um i've also i would also recommend the instagram feed of marcy walker it's called black coffee with white friends i believe walker is also working on a project called mockingbird history lessons for adults that's something i want to look more into i haven't had the chance to yet i also recommend the instagram feed um, of the Equal Justice Initiative. Every day they go through um, and talk about things that happened on this day in sometime in the past in history. Another podcast I've only just heard a few episodes of but would still recommend is Sincerely Letty. It's hosted by historian Letty Shumate. Lastly, um, I know I recommended these in the past, the best of the 2020 footnotes episodes, but the Code Switch podcast, very good, and the book Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram X. Kendi, both really great for learning about history as well. In fact, I just listened to a recently aired episode of Code Switch called Black Kistory that talks about, that's history, K-I-S-S story, that um, talks to authors of Black contemporary and historical romance about how Black people have been falling in love all throughout history and they talk about how they are here to tell those stories. It was a fun episode, especially if, like me, you love romance novels. So. Still very fascinating if you don't like romance novels, but it's kind of fun. I have read a few of books by Beverly Jenkins, so um, I think I might have to put some more on my list to read. If you have any recommendations for me to learn more about our untold history, I would love to hear it. So that's it for today's footnotes episode. Um, looking into the future for future episodes, obviously I'm, I'm I'm doing my best here to get some out, but it does take me a little while to be able to find a time. Um, just that sweet spot where my daughter is asleep really. Um, and I'm still awake. That's sometimes kind of hard to do. I just finished our first book of the season moon of the crusted snow by Webkeisha Grice. and I would love to hear what you think about it I'll be working on getting an episode up about it in the neck in the coming weeks so it's a short book so be sure to get your hands on a copy and you can finish it and then we will go from there thank you for listening to this episode of infinitely prefer a book you can always reach out to me on Instagram at infinitely prefer a book or through email at infinitely prefer book at gmail.com or anywhere else that you can get a hold of me. Thanks.